a podcast of Grand View Christian Church's discipleship team. I'm your host, Kristen Mudrack, the discipleship team coordinator. Last season, we focused on discipleship, what it is, how we pursue it, and what it looks like for our pastors, elders, members, and college students. This season, we are looking at service in the Johnson City area through Grandview's own JC Serve and other ministries. Join us as we highlight each of these ministries and ask how we can best come alongside them to help them serve our community. Our episodes will focus on ministries that we help serve financially, prayerfully, and in physical service, all leading up to our multi-church event, Love JC, on September 25th. If you're interested in serving in any way for any of the ministries we highlight, don't hesitate to contact Nathan at grandviewchristian.org or follow the links in the episode description. Our hope is that you learn more about the ministries we support and others in our area, and you find new ways to pray for them and support them as they carry out their mission to serve JC. Welcome back to Deep Dive. We're so glad that you have joined us today. Today, we're talking to several of our Southside mentors at Grandview Christian Church, uh, Dave Roberts, Brandon Waite. Becky Alsop and Cindy Shade. So I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves to you and how long they've been a part of Southside Mentoring. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about what the what the program is and, and how we, we can serve in this way. Um, Dave, why don't you start us off? Okay. I signed up when we first started the program. Brandon was saying it was 2014. I didn't have a, a record of when exactly, but I didn't have any any child from the school that was ready for a mentor that first semester. So I began second semester in 2015, January, well, probably February when I started. And uh, it was a good experience, finished out that year. And the boy that I was with wanted me to continue with him the next year, which I did. And the next year, and then he went to middle school and asked would I be with him there and I said well I'm willing if it would work out and turns out that middle school said it was okay and so I met with him once a week there so it was a a really good relationship. Well I contacted um, the teachers um, of the students that I worked with to find out what would be the best time and kind of the things that the student might need Um, and so the first several years, we met during lunch. And so I took my lunch with me and uh, went with my student and she got her lunch because she was getting free lunch. And uh, Southside had uh, set some tables and chairs, some kind of uh, eating area over to the side and we would go over there and sit. And there would be other people there, like a grandma was there with their kids. And, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. And so we would eat. And then um, we would go find a nice little corner where we could be just together, the two of us. And sometimes I would read to her and I would get her to read. And, and sometimes we would play Uno for a half an hour. <laughs> and so um, it was just fun to get to know her. And my first girl was a, a, from a Mexican family. Her, her mother was American and her father was Mexican. And he was deported in the middle of the year and she had to go live with her mother then. And it was not a good situation. And these kids that we work with are are picked out of their class by the teacher because they they know that they were the ones that were needing this mentoring. And so we got some of the neediest kids. Uh, Wouldn't you think that's right, Dave? 
Yes. Yeah, and, and Brandon's nodding his head too. I, uh, so they had terrible times at home. And so it was, a, I, I thought it was a calming time for them to be with us for that hour a week. I started uh -huh. mentoring soon after uh, we moved here in 2017. I started that fall, went through the uh, training process and then uh, Brandon at the time was running the program for Grandview and he matched me with a, uh, a second grader. And um, at first it was a little bit difficult she could be a little bit uh, obstreperous, if you will, but... Uh, but I have to define that word, Cindy. Uh, uh, <laughs> obstinate, I don't know. Uh, combative a little bit. Uh, not too much, but she... Uh, I, I soon got to realize that more than the academic mentoring, she needed more of the emotional, uh, just showing my concern for her and her and care for her. So we did in the first year uh, do a lot of reading. I would read some and she would read. She didn't like to read straight through. So we would break it up a little bit. And uh, then I went on with her the next year. Um, like Becky, I would talk to the teacher and see what kinds of things uh, did we need to work on. And uh, often we, we played games too, games that worked on math skills and so on. And then I went even with her into her third, the, uh, the last year. Uh, so I, I only ever had one student until the pandemic came. And uh, I, I was uh, distressed that it just kind of stopped during the pandemic and I never got to see her again before she moved on to the middle school then the next year. But we got to, every time I would go up to the classroom to get her, she just smiled and bounded out to me. I, uh, it, it got to be very special after a while and, and we knew each other well and what we would do. And so uh, I too met with her at lunch that seemed to be the best time for her because she was in other special classes that she needed and couldn't uh, miss any of that. So I would take my lunch as well and we would sit up. Uh, there was a area down on the bottom floor where we would go and sit at a table and just talk and chat, and catch up. And then we would do a game or some sort of reading with her. I So a lot of my work with the program started initially with just getting it off the ground. There was a lot of training and, and administrative work on the front end, but pretty quickly uh, the program was up and going and I was lucky enough to be among the first group of, of mentors to get a kid. Um, and I was matched with this wonderful second grader that was really... Um, challenging for the principal. She's the one who recommended him to the program. He was a regular visitor to her office. Um, and yet she still really liked him and believed that he had such a good core in him. If somebody could come alongside him and walk with him, I mean, he had a, he had a very difficult home life, a mother who's in and out of prison, a father who was um, absent and on drugs and, and, 
just not the kind of environment where a child could thrive, really. If it wasn't for the presence of his grandmother in his life, uh, I really don't know how he would have made it as far as he did and, and been as bright and curious as he was. Um, but I got to meet with him and we, when we first met, he was kind of a tough nut. He's a, he's a real hard kind of guy, even in second grade, uh, was getting into trouble constantly and didn't really like to talk to authority figures, I think. But I just, uh, after a couple of weeks of that, I just said, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to learn how to play chess. Uh, so I have this chess set that my parents gave me a long time ago that shows how each of the pieces move on the back mm. of them and, and brought it there. And we started playing chess and, you know, he, he was curious and qu a quick learner. And as we would play, he would just open up a little bit. He first, we'd talk mm. just about the game. And then pretty soon he was telling me about what was going on and, you know, why he was getting in trouble in school and it almost always came back to stuff at home. And it just convinced me very early on that there really is no better opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life than when they're young. Um, and the weight of their, their decisions kind of piles on them in a way that's difficult to crawl out from under. You could still see he had plenty of opportunities to grow and change uh, so, yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity with him. And we were together through fourth grade with him. So we kept going for another couple of years. And then I was matched for the second second boy. And we also went second through fourth grade. Mm. Um, although the fourth grade was was ended a little early uh, because of the pandemic. But, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wonderful program, I think, not only for the kids, but also I think everybody on this call would attest certainly for the mentors as well. The what? teachers seem to appreciate it very much. Some of the teachers that I'd had over the, the course of three or four different boys would recognize me in the hallway and were always super friendly. But as I think Cindy mentioned, maybe Becky, I'd go to the teacher initially and ask, you know, what can we do to help with progress in school? And sometimes they'd say, just spend time or read other times they give me work pages, math or whatever. And so it was helpful. I had a little girl who had, a, I had a different girl every year. And I never got to uh, see what happened after they left. I didn't ever know where they went. I, it, that was distressing to me a little bit. Uh, when, the, when my first little girl's dad was deported and she had to leave, uh, she went to Unicoi uh, County schools after that and John Lawson was working there uh, at the time and I asked him to please follow up and see if she was okay and he did and and so that was uh, helpful for me but I, I it is distressing to lose a child and and not know um, how they turned out um, I, I was going to say I had one little girl who just had all this energy wow it's it amazing and so uh, Southside had a little room where they have all this stuff that you can jump on and you just play and so we spent 20 minutes in there for her to jump on the little trampoline mm -hmm. thing and, and that seemed to help her uh, get some of that energy out so so we discovered all kinds of nooks and crannies at at uh, Southside school to go hide in and you know do our thing together uh, over the years uh, which you, was helpful you jumped on the trampoline too right Becky no 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 I did not just the little girl <laughs> I made sure she didn't fall and hurt herself. That's, that was my job. There you go. 
Um, you guys have mentioned kind of both an academic and a social component to mentoring. Um, I know it's different for every kid, but is it kind of 50-50 or is it more, much more on the social end or the academic end? What do you think? It was not meant to be academic ever, mm. right, Brandon? That's I, correct. I, yeah, I it's the kids that we mentored were kids that were at risk of failing academically, socially, or behaviorally. And so often because of the other things in their lives, they were struggling academically, but, uh, and maybe you all could speak to your own experiences, but when I was matched, I think both times the teacher and the principal both said, you know, if you really want to, you can do some tutoring or something like that. But really what would be best is if you would just give them attention, just give them time and attention. That's all they really need. And that's really what the program is based around. You know, you do whatever the, the teacher and the, uh, the principal say would, would be of most benefit to the child. But at the core of that, that hour together each week, it's really just time and attention. Well, I think, I the think time and attention made a difference in the academics as well. The first why I had really responded, the other kids would ask, who is that? Or, you know, and one, one child says, that's your grandfather. He said, no, my grandpa's not that old. <laughs> we developed a really good relationship and, and we would read some together. We did the, oh, I can't think of the, the title of, there's a whole series of books and we read one of them the back and forth. I would read a chapter and he would read a chapter and, and so forth. But most of the time it was just spent encouraging him and letting him be special. And that was what I think stood out that he didn't get a lot of attention. His birth mother was out of the picture. His father had married someone quite young who had an infant and he and his sister were sort of on the side and the, the attention made a lot of difference. But at the end of the fourth grade, they had an awards uh, day and he asked me to come. I did, and he got an award for the most improvement that year. So I felt like spending time with him that made a difference academically. I mentioned uh, that the little girl I was with um, was a little bit obstinate at first, and I was trying to do more academic things. I guess I had the impression that we should have be doing some of that, but as soon as I stopped making that a priority and just being with her, uh, talking to her, and a, a game seemed to be a situation where things could come out about what was going on at home and, and how it affected her, or maybe she'd had a little uh, a small run-in with another student or she had done something really well and the teacher had praised her. So those, so once I got over that, the academic part and just started uh, talking to her and, and being together, uh, it was much, much better. The succeeding years were, were, were much better. I had uh, one little boy that I noticed the first time we started getting together Everybody knew his name, the janitor, the principal, the secretary, other teachers, they all knew who he was. And I could see why he was wired for excitement and energy, just running every place and running, you know, just we would go out in the playground and he would just run circles. And but the, the funniest thing was when the teacher had a, an assistant one day and she was doing something different and 
he and I had gone to the library and I was using the all about me booklet, which we were given to, to uh, talk with the children, get them to fill out some information. And there was a page in there. What are you really good at? And he said, what he's really good at is playing dead. And he got on the floor and played dead. And then he got up and a minute or so later, the teacher came in and grabbed him from behind and said, don't you realize this man's taking time with you and you should not be, you know, throw. and I, I tried my best to say it's okay. Later, I told her he was demonstrating what he's good at. <laughs> and it was an exciting time for him, but he was just all energy. And as like Cindy said, I, you wonder what happened. You know, I, I'd love to see where he is. I, I knew somebody that worked with the, an after school program they knew his name. They knew who he was. So he's going to stand out wherever he is. I had one little girl who uh, loved to read. And so we would go in the library and they have those little cushy things with the pebbles in it. What do you call that thing? Um, and she and I would just cuddle in there and read. And uh, yeah. she just loved to cuddle like that. I don't think she got much of that at home. And uh, so we would read and I'd say, now, what do you think that means? We would pause a lot because I don't think she was understanding these words at all. And uh, one time there was a, a girl in the story who was going to town and she was going to all the stores in town. So we talked about what's a grocery store, what's a hardware store. I said, what's a drug store? She said, that's where you go to buy weed. So I knew that there was some dysfunction in that family so we talked a little bit about that and why it wasn't good <laughs> um, so how so just reading a book can bring those things out that you need to talk about and, and uh, be, be there for you. Yeah. It, it's amazing what a simple conversation can do um, and I've, I've heard that from so many of our podcast recordings when while I've been doing this particular series to me that's how you get kids to open up you spend time with them. You do things that they enjoy, like learning how to play chess. Um, you read to them. Have you found anything else that helps kids open up? Um, for somebody who's thinking about maybe doing this, what, what are some things you might suggest to them? The last boy that I worked with before the pandemic uh, started off kind of a slow relationship, and he mostly just wanted to play. He wanted to go into a room that had toys and play with the toys and didn't talk much. So I, it was like pulling teeth to get him to tell me more about the situation I knew from the teacher. His mother had apparently died and his father had committed suicide and he was living with an aunt and uncle and they had children of their own. And I didn't think he got a whole lot of attention. And the teacher said that whenever there was an occasion in school for families to come, they never came. He was not involved in that. And as, as we talked a little bit, began to discover that he never had had any experience of, of working with tools. And so I asked him if he'd like to do work like that. And he said, yes. And so I took some wood at home and pre-cut some boards and, and pre-drilled some holes and took screws and screwdriver and a little hand drill. And we made a birdhouse. 
and he was thrilled with that. Just so proud of that, that he had built it and he had made it and took it home. Then the pandemic came and I wrote to him, I think three times, just sent a postcard, but I've never heard anything from him since and don't know how he's doing. One of the things that um, I realized from the be- uh, after a couple of sessions was that I, in the way I was raised, uh, my values and so on, I was thinking of them in that setting. And I realized right away that you cannot do that. You have to just take all that away and just listen. You can't uh, judge what they say, what they've done. You've just got to listen and um, uh, be supportive. Uh, that, that was critical for me, I think. And I think that's something that other people should, if they're going to do this, that, that we have to go in without any preconceived notions about how they're going to act or uh, what they've heard or done at home. We've just got to not be uh, all agog at uh, something they might say or do. Mm-hmm. I, I also think for almost every mentor I talked to before they got started was so concerned about what they were going to talk about or what they would have in common because they don't share the same interests, really. They don't watch the same media. Um, you know, they, what are we going to talk about? And I understand why people think that anybody who is concerned about that. I just, I guess I would say those things matter so much less than you think that they do. Uh, what matters the most, I think, is the consistency of your presence uh, and the quality of your presence while you're there. And one of the, the core fu- fundamental values of this program is the idea that you meet with one child for one hour a week for one year. And the value of that is you can show up and you don't have to split your attention among multiple kids they're used to that. They get that all day long. Um, and if they're at home, oftentimes they're getting it at home too. Uh, you get to sit with them, spend time with just them, come every week. And they know they get to the point where they really look forward to it. They mm-hmm. ask their teacher, like, is today the day I get to meet with my mentor? Almost everybody that is in the program experiences that. Um, and, and I just think, you know, it, you feel like there's so much else to it, but that's really it. It's just come mm-hmm. and show up and give, give your, your time and your attention to one kid. And, you know, one of the beautiful things is they said this in the training and I didn't really believe them because the training was pretty cheesy. Uh, but, the, but when I, they said that, you know, often kids will say, how many other kids do you see at my school? And I thought they're, they're not going to ask that, but they do. They do really? ask that regularly and being able to tell them, I'm just here for you is they're almost always just really surprised and taken off guard by that. You know, they have people that they meet with besides their teachers, but they're people who are there to help them with their anger or people who are there to help them with their reading or whatever speech. They see dozens of other kids at the school. This is the only time many of them in their lives that they have somebody who gives them just a focused attention over a prolonged period of time, which is a really beautiful thing. So if you're interested, that's what it takes to be a successful mentor. 
it, it doesn't always work. I, I had one little boy that I guess I met with about four times and he had come from a kind of a troubled home life and yet had traveled. He'd been New Mexico, Hawaii for a second grader. He'd been all over the world, seems like, but he did not want to meet with me. And we tried, you know, I tried to really pattern everything to fit his needs. And he just didn't want to meet with me and, and uh, would, the last time we met, he got on the floor and was under a bench and was crying. So I had to take him back to the classroom. Turns out he had done the same thing with art class or music class, gotten on the floor and cried. And, and he was doing this as a pattern in many different situations. And what they told me was that he was going to get some special counseling and that I was given a different child and everything worked great. But it's, it's not a magic wand. You just, you have to go in and the kids have got different kinds of agendas and different kinds of problems. And it's a matter of just getting to know them and help them. I had one little girl who did not like me to touch her. I had another little girl who wanted to cuddle. So you get, you yeah. can have both extremes. Several of you guys have mentioned this training. Um, what kind of training do you get to be a mentor and what have you found most helpful from that? Um, well, the, the training is pretty intense. Uh, I can't think of another volunteer role in the church that I've ever been part of that required so much up front. Uh, the training was originally, it was a, a class that took about four hours that you had to attend in person. Later, it became online training, but it was training on uh, what, what kids from different socioeconomic backgrounds experience, you know, like Cindy brought up the different values that they grow up with. Um, it's a different world that they live in from the one that many of us grew up in. So that's a lot of the training was helping to understand that world that they come from, how that affects their learning, how that affects their relationships and their behavior. But then also just some very practical tips for you on how, you know, how do you meet with a kid? How do you get them to start opening up? Um, how do you navigate going into a school building? What are you allowed to do or not do? You know, we had to cover specifically, you can't proselytize, you can't pray, that sort of thing. Um, they, the beautiful thing about this program from an administrative perspective is that they, you, they don't leave anything up to your imagination, I guess. You don't have to wonder, how do I navigate the separation of church and state? They spell it out for you in excruciating detail. Um, and, and that helps to give the mentors confidence, I think, but also is what convinced the school to let us do this in the first place, because they were taking an enormous risk, letting a church come in and do a mentoring program. Um, so the, the fact that we had this training is really what sold them on the idea. I think we have to be careful not to push religion or emphasize things that we would like to teach them maybe, but but they can't stop us from praying at home. And I still pray for four boys that I worked with over the years. I thought the training was very helpful at the beginning because I really was kind of scared about it. I really didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what I was going to be up against. And so we got the packet that David uh, showed a while ago. And that was the first thing I did was we sat down and it has questions you can ask. What is your favorite color? What is your favorite food? Just a just conversation starter. And so that 
kind of helped me calm down and not be so scared of it. Also, there was an online, and I don't know if they still have that, but there was an online thing about games you can play and different things like that. And that was very helpful to get started. After the first year, I really didn't need those things because I actually knew what I was doing then, but it was very helpful to get started. Several of you have mentioned that one of the hard things is not knowing where these kids end up. What else can be really hard about this? I had a little girl who was living with her aunt and her (laughs) mom was living in the car in front of her aunt's house. And this little girl was just torn between her aunt and her mom. And they were sisters. Um, And it was traumatic for her. And so it was a little traumatic for me uh, for a while. But um, that's, those kinds of things were kind of hard to hear and to see. But I will tell you that that little girl's aunt took her to a University Parkway Baptist Church on Wednesday night every week. And, and one of the ladies that work in, in the cafeteria knew her from church. And so she had all of these uh, people surrounding her and we made it through the year and she knew we loved her at the end. Um, but it was pretty hard to start out. I think that when whenever I would go to the school, I would have to read reports that the mentors would write after their session. After every session, they'd have to give a brief little rundown of how things went. And, you, you know, usually they are um, done quickly because people have other things to get to. And there's not much to say if it's just sort of a normal week. But on occasion there would be stories that would come out of that. Uh, For instance, we had a student who told her mentor that she hadn't taken a bath in a while and that they didn't have any lights at their house and they hadn't had them for a couple of weeks. And, you know, there's a homeless liaison that works in the school system that can help connect people to resources that need them. But often they don't know about the needs that these kids have. So we would sometimes discover them through the mentoring. And it was just like a window into what goes on at home you know you can have this bright funny curious abusive kid in front of you and you get a peek into what it's like when they go home and it's really kind of tragic a lot of the times um so there's there's stuff like that that's hard uh, to learn about what's going on and what challenges they have but honestly uh, the other thing that's hard for me is just the same thing that's hard for me at home with my own kids you know i love them to death but they're still kids which means they can be just very challenging to be around sometimes. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they have a bad day and the, sometimes kids have this ability to just like let one small thing color their entire day. So you show up and they've yelled at the teacher or they're in the principal's office and the whole tone for your meeting is set right from the beginning of, you know, see if you can talk to them, see if you can talk them off the ledge. Uh, yeah. And it, that, that can be difficult when you've got, you're looking forward to the meeting or you've got something fun playing, you got to scrap it all because you've got to deal with this other thing. Yeah. Uh, one of, uh, this is not a hard thing. This is a wonderful thing at Southside. Uh, I have to say that two of the secretaries in the front office are Grandview members And so they kind of make our way a little bit easier. They'll say, oh, well, your little girl is 
something's happened today. And so just to make you aware or uh, she's late every day. And so it, it was really great to go in and see those two women and uh, know that they kind of had their hand on the pulse of what was going on in the school and could let you kind of know. I really, to me, that was hugely helpful. Now, I know probably not every uh, mentoring situation is like that, but for us, it was terrific. Several of you said that the pandemic made things hard as well. I, I can only imagine um, how hard that made things for kids, especially. This is about kids, but how have you changed in this process? I feel like it's made me more sympathetic to um, children who are in these kinds of situations. From what you all are saying, I had one of the easier uh, mentoring relationships. Um, but still you, as I said before, they don't, they don't live the same kind of lives you do maybe. And so it's made me more sympathetic and, um, maybe to other relationships outside that mentoring program, uh, with maybe some folks at Grandview or folks in the neighborhood or whatever, where I live. I also think, um, I am of the idea that God is the judge, not me. And so that frees me to love them um, and without any shackles whatsoever, which is very nice. And um, so there are a couple of things in my life that have helped me come to that. And this is one. Yeah, I think, as we said earlier, the emphasis of just focusing on that one child and making that child special has been good and the recognition that there are so many factors in each child's life and, and so many influences in so many ways that the little bit of time we have, the one hour a week, uh, you know, for one year is a very minimal and yet it's an investment. It's, it's one grain of salt that may make a difference and we just have to do what we can do and trust the Lord that it's a seed planted that will grow. I think it just broadened my perspective on what's going on in the community around me. I mean, it's not like uh, the issues that were in these kids' lives were unheard of for me. Um, but it's one thing to hear that opioid addiction is a problem in this area. It's another thing to see the way that that is borne out in the life of an individual child and just the ripple effects that that has in every area of their life. Um, and the way that forms them as, as kids who are really surprisingly resilient, uh, the kids that come out of these situations, they, they are definitely toughened by it in good ways and bad. And I, I gained a greater appreciation for that. I think, um, because I think one of the things that struck me about that is that, you know, you, you can talk to an adult who's having a hard time or an adult who's involved in some pretty rough stuff and get a picture, a little bit of what's going on in their life. But when you hear it filtered through a child, uh, nothing is spared. <laughs> uh, they just, they have no filter often and they give you a really unique perspective on how, how these behaviors and problems and challenges affect their lives. So yeah, certainly broaden my perspective. And it's also just convinced me further that, you know, we can make gains in the lives of adults by investing in them. Absolutely. 
but it just doesn't really compare to the gains that you can make in the life of a child. You know, it's not a magic wand, like Dave said, but the earlier the intervention, the bigger the payoff, I think. Is there anything else you would want a prospective mentor or somebody who's kind of on the fence? Um, is there anything else you would want them to know about mentoring at Southside? You can do this. I mean, you, you might think you can't, but if you have an hour in your week, and I suspect more people do than, than think they do initially, um, this is a way to make a, a really meaningful difference in the life of another human being. Uh, if you want to serve, sometimes people get frustrated because they want to serve, they want to do something in the community, but they don't know where to start, or they serve in the church and they do something that is very helpful, but they don't feel like they're making a, a deep and lasting impact. If you're the kind of person who's got that longing, um, I, I just urge you to try this out. It could be because I, this was the first partnership we had with JC serve, but this is the one that is nearest and dearest to my heart uh, because it's the time that gives you the most, it's the one that gives you the most face time with the people that you're serving. I think, um, yeah, definitely, definitely try it out and you, you can do it. Even if you don't think you can, you don't have to be good with kids. Um, I'm not especially good with kids, but if you just, if you care about them and, and, uh, choose to be interested in them, then, they will enjoy you and benefit from your presence. It's a commitment. It's important to, to be there because they do count on it. But I've, I've, been, I've noticed some of the different people involved in the program over the years I've been in it. I was surprised at some, but I think they had a good relationship and it worked well. So it, it's worth, worth the time and effort. I think I said before the training at the beginning was very helpful for me and the, the tools that they gave us were very helpful. And so you, you don't need to be afraid like I was. And maybe you can be afraid, but those tools will help you get over that. Um, and also it gives you uh, an end with that school. The mm. teachers know who you are. The principal knows who you are. The counselor knows who you are. The cafeteria workers know who you are. You get to go to their fall festival and see all those kids dressed up getting candy. Uh, it, it is it is a wonderful thing to spend in, in the lives of those kids. Yeah. If I could piggyback on that for just a second, I heard somebody ask one time, if your church closed down tomorrow, who would notice in your community? And I think there are a lot of people that would notice if Grandview left, but I think that Southside would feel it more than most um, because uh, this program has done exactly what you said, Becky. I know when it started, the principal was apprehensive because she had been in another school with a, another church that was kind of oppressive or overwhelming. And she was not certain about it, but she became a real advocate before she retired. I think it also, you hinted at this, uh, Brandon, or maybe it was Becky about the fall festival, because we already had that mentoring program with them, we helped them with all kinds of things. Um, with the, the beginning ice cream social at the beginning of the school year. And then as Becky mentioned, the fall festival and, and other things. I mean, we collected Supplies. cleaning items 
and uh, uh, just all kinds of needs uh, for them through the pandemic when, when they were in school, things that they needed extra that they hadn't ever had to have before. So we also, at, at the beginning of each school year, we uh, helped supply the teachers with the stuff they needed in their classroom. Uh, also, we did meals for the teachers and teacher appreciation week. And yeah, we, we, we really um, have put a lot of effort into Southside School. It's been remarkable. Yeah, and love JC. I trimmed bushes and painted railings and all kinds of things before school started. So That's right. I, I was actually in Kroger the other day and saw the, the principal, the re- now retired principal, and she made a beeline across the produce area to come and give me a hug. And she said, I think about Grandview all the time. Uh, and it just, yeah, it, it really warms your heart to know that all these people who give just an hour a week of their time, um, it, it really makes a difference for them too. They feel supported and, and teachers don't always feel uh, well supported. So yeah, she always showed whenever I saw her in the school or, or in my community, I, I've seen her. She was always very appreciative of the, the work that Grandview did with the school. Well, speaking of appreciation, thank you to the four of you, as well as our other Southside mentors that aren't on this call. You are making a difference um, and you may never know just how much. Dave, Brandon, Becky, Cindy, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today. If you've been listening today and you are interested in getting involved with Southside Mentorship, you can contact Nathan at nathan at grandviewchristian.org and his email will be in the podcast description for you to copy as well.